Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas, even though there's still some Christmas to go. This is the uh, Sunday morning that we say Merry Christmas to each other. We kind of call this our Christmas Sunday celebration, and, um, and we've got a lot of Christmas coming up, right? And I hope you caught the, the sort of special new thing is that tomorrow night at 6.30 is big blowout worship, praise, Christmas Eve service right here. And so I hope that you could uh, make that part of, of your celebration to come and, and worship like that and I'll be preaching, we have communion, we have some hors d'oeuvres afterwards, it's going to be a really uh, special time. And then, uh, on Christmas Eve day, family service at 10, candlelight services all through the day, 10.45, we start a service that we call Midnight at First Pres, because it ends, it doesn't begin at midnight, don't get that wrong, it ends at midnight, and then at midnight we're able to say Merry Christmas to each other and go into Christmas Day. So, it's a, big, uh, it's a big moment for us. If you want to serve, there's still a couple of slots. There really are only a few slots left to serve. But um, it's also it's an important opportunity to help others to see Jesus a little more clearly. Well, today we're talking about naming hope. And I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 1. So I encourage you to uh, open your Bible. If you brought it, turn on your Bible. The words of the Scripture will be in front of you. But I always encourage you to have the Word of God in front of you as we learn together. So uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25, and as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, as you came to us as a humble infant, Lord God Almighty, as you sent your Son to be for us a a face, a voice, a person with whom we could interact. Holy Spirit, as you reveal the love and the glory of God to us, we pray that you would come, that you would open your scriptures before us, that we might know you and trust you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said? Amen. Amen. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. Amen. Naming hope. Naming hope. Focus has, has become a lot more important to me this year. The issue of Focus. Here's what I mean. There are some things that have to be exactly the right distance from my eyes. (laughs) And this didn't used to happen to me, okay? Young people, you think, don't my eyes, don't they always work the same way that they used to? No, 
They don't. And so focus has become an issue, and focus is not always easy. Just imagine, uh, imagine for example, just a random example, imagine you're at a Christmas concert at the Pikes Peak Center. And imagine that you've got a program, and you only have one program, and you're sharing that program with someone next to you, someone who you love very much. But that person, (laughs) just imagine, this is just out of a hat, but just imagine that that person, to focus on the words, needs it at a certain distance, and you need it at a certain different kind of a distance to be able to... It it felt like I needed to call in the Hubble telescope team to to run the calculations to get this thing to intersect, you know, where we could both see the words. Focus. Focus is important. Well, this month what we've been talking about is focus, focusing in, tightening our focus. Of all the things that we focus on, of all the directions that our hopes go, all the directions that our hearts go and our intentions, we need to focus in, focus in on something solid, something like this solid stone manger that we've got up here, a replica of the stone kinds of mangers that you find in Israel, where maybe Jesus was laid in something like that. We need to focus in. So we started out talking about, at the beginning of Advent, how we are a people with future longing. We are a people who are always looking ahead, and we need hope. And hopefulness gets us through struggle. And then we saw John the Baptist appear. And John the Baptist, he said, well, hope, hope is drawing near. But it may mean something. It may mean repentance. It may mean a turning of your life, a turning of your mind to be able to see it. It may mean throwing yourself at the mercy seat of Christ. And then last week, John the Baptist appeared again. And he was looking for glimmers of hope green shoots. It's hard to keep hope alive when you don't see anything happening, when you don't see any, any changes. And all he needed was a glimmer of hope. Just remember one green shoot coming up from the trunk of Jesse. Well, today we focus in even more, even tighter. We focus in even more, more directly of all the things that we hope in, of all the different places that we hope. Hope has a name. Hope is a person. Hope is an infant. Joseph names him Jesus. It's a pretty familiar Christmas passage this morning, isn't it? This is one that we read all the time, and it makes it into the nativity scene and the, the Christmas dramas, the drama of the birth of Jesus. If you flipped over to Luke, you'd see something slightly different. In Luke, it's the lineage that's given is the lineage of Mary, and the person who gives the infant the name Jesus is Mary. But when you look in Matthew, the lineage is the lineage of Joseph, and the person who gives the infant the name Jesus is Joseph. Well, there's no contradiction here. A mother or a father could give a child their name, and apparently Joseph and Mary, they, they agreed in naming the son, the infant, the child, Jesus. But here's the point. Naming Jesus. Naming Jesus. It's something that we do together, but it's something that each one of us has to do alone. Can you name Jesus. Not because your church names Jesus, not because your, your family turns to Jesus, not because your spouse names Jesus, not because, but can you, can you have the name of Jesus on your lips and name him your hope and your salvation? Naming Jesus. 
There are lots of things that require our attention and require a certain investment of hope. And we're not saying in this series that all of those things are distractions. Some of them are worthy things. You might have a, a sick child that you're waiting, you're hoping for remedy. That means you're investing hope. You might be in a place in your marriage where things are rocky and you're hoping that the, the interventions, the changes that you're making are going to make a difference. You know? You're investing hope. You may be at work. You've been looking over the past year. You've been going through those reviews and things. You're projecting ahead to 2020 and you're hoping that, that you, can, you can see a turnaround in your business. These are not evil things where we invest hope. But listen to me. What if, what if, for just an instant, maybe for just even a minute, All of that investment, all of that longing, all of that desiring, all of that hope could be focused in on one place where hope is sure and certain. One solid place, one solid place where our hope may be built. We focus our hope on Jesus. Naming hope is naming Jesus. Well, our passage today takes Joseph's perspective, and that's okay, isn't it? I mean, Mary gets plenty of playtime. She's, she, you know, she's not worried about getting the spot. She, Mary gets songs. She gets like anthems. She gets all kinds of special stuff about Mary, right? So we can look at Joseph and give him a little time. Poor Joseph. He doesn't even get a song. You know, there's partly a song about... Our, Chris Collins was trying to write a song for this series about Joseph. Couldn't get it to come together. Just couldn't come together. <laughs> Sorry, Joseph. We got nothing for you, you know? But we're going to give him the time of day today. And that's all right. Joseph's perspective. Mary is associated with faith. Let it be unto me as the Lord has said. I believe. I have faith. You know what Joseph is associated with? He's associated with obedience. Obedience. See, Joseph, um, the one thing you, you, you recognize about Joseph when you look at him is Joseph doesn't say a lot, does he? He doesn't talk. In fact, in church history, the church history, they would call him Joseph the Silent. Joseph the Silent. You know why? Because for Joseph, his deeds speak louder than words. His actions are his statements of faith. Joseph, Joseph is, is obedient, even when he's silent. So Mary, faith, Joseph, obedience, faith, obedience. That's a pretty good combination come together in these two. Joseph, through the story, he faced three moments of crisis, three crossroads where he could go this way or that way. And, and the first one was, uh, number one, he could cut and run or he could stay in the game. Number two, he could believe the dream or he could go make his own dream. And number three, he could name Jesus or he could make a name for himself. We're going to go through each one of these. At each juncture, at each pivotal moment, at each moment of crisis, Joseph could go this way or he could go that way. And what made a difference was his focus. His focus. Number one, cut and run or stay in the game. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I know you've heard it a hundred times. But what would you do? What would you do if you were Joseph? Joseph and Mary, they were pledged to be married. They were betrothed in the Old 
the old language. They were promised. They were set to be married to one another. That's a little different from what we do. You see, at this stage in the relationship, there's a promise there. And at this stage in the relationship, infidelity is considered adultery. And a breakup requires a legal divorce. You see, Joseph in the scripture, Joseph has already called her husband. So it's a little different than what we're used to. And pregnancy, friends, in this stage of the relationship, well, pregnancy is not part of this stage of the relationship, ordinarily. So what's Joseph to do? If you get in his mind a little bit, he says, well, I know what I've done. Now I need to ask, what's Mary done? What's this woman? Do I even know this woman who's in front of me today? The verse is a little, a little bit comical, at least to me, when it says uh, in verse 18, maybe we'll get that up on the screen, it says that something happened. Uh, Mary, Mary was, she was, what? Found to be pregnant. Huh. Right? <laughs> Found to be pregnant. Pregnant. Now, read, read between the lines here a little bit. What this sounds like to me is that Mary didn't go to Joseph right away. She didn't go tell him. She was found to be pregnant. That means the pregnancy presented itself. Okay? And they had not discussed that. So, so what was this conversation like that day? Are you with me? How did that conversation Go down. It sounds like Mary would have been well served by that age-old advice, bad news doesn't get better with age. You should go have the, go have the hard conversation. But she didn't. She didn't. She was found to be pregnant. And the conversation ensued. What would you do if you were Joseph? Would you cut and run? Or would you stay in the game? I don't know, friends, have you, ever, have you ever experienced an unforeseen crisis? Anybody in the room? A couple of people, okay, I'm glad the rest of you are good, because <laughs> you know? a lot of us, we've been through a few, and it's in those moments that the foundations are revealed, where the things, everything trembles, where, where your, true, your true faith, your true allegiance, it's, it's revealed, in the crisis moment. Well, Joseph, he had a choice, cut and run or stay in the game. And it was a choice of focus. He could either focus on this thing or the other. He could focus on the problem, right? Here's the problem. My fiance is pregnant and it's not my child. And everything that I hoped and everything that I dreamed about falling in love with this woman and, and our future together and, and getting married and starting a life together, that's all broken now. That's all scattered in pieces on the ground. I, am I ever, ever going to be able to lift my head again in Nazareth? My fiancé is pregnant and it's not my child. Focus on the problem. Everything in that view looks like a stump cut off everything that he hoped and dreamed. Or he could focus on trust, on trust. Mary, I love her so much. She's so faithful. She's so true. She's always been good to me. Mary. She says it's from the Holy Spirit. What, the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? 
you know? You gotta understand, this was no more ordinary for Joseph than it would be for you. The Holy Spirit, maybe God, God is good. I trust God. Joseph, he focuses on the trust. And he hangs in just long enough, just long enough, just long enough to let the next thing come in. You see, that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is at this stage, Joseph did not cut and run. He didn't pack his bags and bail out. He didn't drag Mary out to the public square and burn all the bridges. No, he, he hung in there just long enough for the, next, for the next thing to come, for the green shoot to emerge. And here it is, a dream comes. And now, will Joseph believe the dream or make his own dreams? Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel, oh yeah, if, if he had a plan at all, it was just to, 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 to dismiss this thing as quietly as he could, as honorably as he could, with the best interests of all in mind. But Joseph stayed in the game, he stayed in the game. So now the dream. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of who? David. Now that's a clue right there. See, Joseph's, Joseph's dad's name was Jacob. Now the angel comes and says, hey, Joseph, son of David. And he's already been thinking about that, how he's in the line and lineage of David because he had to go all the way to Bethlehem to register for the census. So he's thinking about, oh man, I come from David. That's a big deal. And the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're given the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, when you are having trust issues, it's helpful when an angel of the Lord appears <laughs> to verify what your fiancé has been saying. Isn't that helpful? Very nice, very nice when it goes down like that. And, uh, and, and so Joseph, he still has to decide. And Joseph, Joseph the silent, we, we don't get any dialogue out of him. He doesn't say anything to the angel. He doesn't say, he, not even inner dialogue. He's not even talking to himself. We, he doesn't say anything to Mary, not anything that we can record anyway. But, but he has to decide. He has to decide. Do I believe the dream from God or do I, do I go make my own dreams come true? Now the dream, the dream from God, it seems to present the idea that, that God's at work, that there's a bigger story that's being written, that God is somehow active in the middle of, of this mess that I'm in, that God's doing something that's, that's maybe beyond my comprehension. I can't understand it, but maybe God's at work. Can I believe that dream? Or am I ready to just turn and cut and run and go make my own dream? Listen. When you're at the point of, of desperation, when you're at the moment of crisis, can you believe that God is writing a story and that God has a story for you and that the last chapter hasn't been written yet, the last turn hasn't been made yet, there's, there's still yet more to be said. Can you hang on to God's story, God's dreams, or do you change, do you turn, do you walk your own direction and begin to make your own dreams under your own steam? Joseph's focus was to believe the dream of God.
Now, Matthew, Bible's open. Matthew, he jumps in here and he gives us some color commentary, some information that Joseph himself may or may not have had, but that Matthew knows we need. And it's a citation from the prophet Isaiah from 714. And this is a verse 22 now. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, what would you give for that kind of commentary to come in when you're in the crisis. You know, for that word of God to cut in. Say, hey, Joseph, see, it makes perfect sense, Joseph. Look at this in the Bible. Look at the scripture in the Bible. It all starts to cut through. What would you give to have the word of God cut through your confusion and show you the way to go when you're in that moment of desperation and crisis? I'm telling you, friends, it happens. God speaks to us by his word. Do you turn to the scriptures in your moment of crisis? The Gideons have this ministry where they put Bibles, they zealously you know, work to place Bibles in every single hotel room, every single hospital room that they possibly can. And they're just, they're, I mean, they're energized about it. They're zealous about it. Why? Why? Because time after time, stories come back to them of people, men, women, alone in their hotel room, in a desperate situation, in utter confusion, on the brinks of despair, who pull that book out of that drawer, throw it open, and the word of God speaks to them. Exactly what they needed to hear at that moment. Literally, literally saved lives. If you knew half the stories I've heard, the word of God can speak to you, can cut through the confusion, and can show you the way. Well, Joseph, Joseph believed the dream. Number three, name Jesus or make a name. Finally, will, will Joseph focus on God's name or will he turn and cut his losses and say, it's time for me to go make my own name, the name of Joseph of Nazareth. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, what did he do? He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, I don't know if he said a word to her. You know? I don't know if he, I don't know if he said anything to her at all. <laughs> right? But he did it. He did what God asked him. Joseph the silent. Joseph the obedient. He took his wife Mary. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now let's recognize here something. Listen, this is something that, that this passage names. Jesus was born of a virgin. A virgin birth. Is that hard to believe? I mean, if you're, if you're living in, um, in a, a sterile kind of watertight world of three dimensions and natural law, that's a wild claim to make. It doesn't make sense. It's mythical. And I even want to say to you, if you're, if you're skeptical of the faith and you're here exploring, what can I absorb? What can I believe? What can I, what can I chomp down on that I can actually uh, believe about Jesus? I'm going to tell you, this is not the very first thing that you need to accept about Jesus. It's, this is a hard thing to accept, a virgin birth. But listen, for those who have known their lives reborn, for those who have known their lives regenerated by the Spirit of God from the inside, a virgin birth, it's not that hard to fathom. But the point is about Joseph. What's Joseph going to do? 
Is he going to name that child Jesus, or is he going to leave that to Mary and say, it's time for you to handle the rest of this, and it's time for me to go off and make a name for myself? Well, what does he do? Joseph the silent, Joseph the obedient, Joseph the faithful. Let's look at that last verse of that, last sentence of that verse. Say it with me together. What did Joseph do? And he gave him the name Jesus. Is there anybody else in the room who's wondering why the infant wasn't named Emmanuel? I mean, I'm no genius, but I am a thinker. And Jesus and Emmanuel are two different names, right? So maybe Matthew missed a page. Maybe he missed a pitch here. Something's off. What are you doing, Matthew? He quotes from Isaiah 7, 14. And I think mostly he quoted that verse just to to show us about the prophecy that the Messiah would come in a miraculous birth, right? But he doesn't cut the verse off before he gets to that part of saying he's going to be called Emmanuel. And then he's not. What's going on? What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. Now look at it carefully. The angel tells Joseph to name the child Jesus. And what does Jesus mean? Jesus means God saves us. The Lord saves. Yeshua, Jesus. God is our salvation. It means God saves us. And Isaiah said not to name the child Emmanuel, but Isaiah said they would call the child born of the virgin Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So, not necessarily name him. So, so the angel told Joseph to name the child Jesus, and Emmanuel said he's going to be, I mean, Isaiah said he's going to be called Emmanuel. So that kind of, I mean, that kind of, that kind of squares the circle, right? He was, he was named Jesus, and his nickname was Emmanuel. Right? That's what they called him on the street when they were playing, when they were playing ball. And that kind of makes sense of it. That's fine. But listen now. There's so much more to it than that. Isaiah could not possibly have fathomed what the name Emmanuel, God with us, was going to mean. Could not have fathomed. Matthew could not have fathomed what that means. Joseph could not have begun to understand. For my money, the angel of the Lord pronouncing it could not have have fathomed what it meant to name the child Emmanuel, to call him God with us. What did it mean? It meant that God, the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, in all of his power, in all of his glory, in all of his majesty, that this same God was going to come down and was going to take to himself humanity in all of its weakness and all of its vulnerability, that this God Almighty was going to come down and was going to become a, a, a cell, a zygote, was going was to be an infant, a vulnerable, helpless, weak infant lying in a manger. That this God Almighty was going to draw to himself the weakness of humanity. So much weakness that's possible even for God in Jesus, that it was possible in the weakness for God to suffer. That it was possible in the weakness of humanity drawn to God and Jesus Christ. It was possible for, for Jesus to feel all the pain, all the suffering, all the brokenness of human life. It was possible even in Jesus Christ for God to die. Why did God take on flesh? Why did God become human in Jesus? So that in Jesus, God, in the weakness of humanity, could die and suffer.
for our sins and disobedience on the cross. He could bring all of that into himself. That's God with us. No one could have imagined what that meant. That God with us meant that God is going to be one of us. That God is going to be in communion with us. That God is going to stand with us on our side of the divide in all of our suffering. And he's going to take on our suffering and death so that we could have his joy in life. God with us. And Jesus, God saves. Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us, God saves. God with us, God saves. How does God save? What does that tell us? It means that God isn't going to save without being with us. And God is with us in order to save. Jesus, our Emmanuel. This is the focus of our hope. Our hope is built on nothing less. So friends, where is your focus? Where is your focus? All these different things. Where is your focus? I was on the beach once with my family and everyone was watching um, over the ocean the dolphins rise up out of the water. Anybody ever seen that? So everyone was, you know, watching this and, and saying, look, look there, look there. So I looked there. And around me, everybody's going, ooh, ah, whoa. I looked there. And you know what I saw? Nothing. My focus was wrong. I missed it. I was on a whistle stop tour through, through Europe with my grandmother when I was 16. We were driving on the bus and, and I saw the sign for Würzburg was coming up on the highway. Würzburg, Germany is where I was born when my family was there for the army. And, uh, and so I was so excited. I got out my disposable camera and I cranked it real fast to take a, a picture. And some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I popped it and I sent it off to the developer and then the prints came back. Again, look it up. Look it up when you get home. And when the prince came back, I took him out of the envelope and I had this beautiful picture, this beautiful picture of the droplets on the outside of the bus window, right? <laughs> My focus was wrong. I missed it. If I could give you one thing from my heart, what I want for you, what I want for you today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, what I want for you more than anything else is for your focus to be right for your eyes to be where hope is truly found, for your heart to be focused in on the gift that is Jesus. Come in the flesh. God, come in the flesh to be your hope and salvation. Joseph, when he named that child, he couldn't have had any idea what the name Jesus truly meant. God saves Joseph the silent, Joseph the faithful. You know, he he trusted enough to stay in the game. He believed enough to honor the dream. And he was faithful enough, he was faithful enough to give the name to the infant instead of chasing his own name. I want you to see him there. I want you to imagine yourself there, looking at Joseph, cradling that infant, staring down into his eyes. What Joseph did there in that moment is he adopted that child. 
That's what it's called when a father names a child his own when he wasn't his in the first place. Joseph adopted that child. And by adopting Jesus, Joseph was adopted into the family of God. And by naming Jesus, Joseph was named, renamed, the son of the father, the son of the king. And by loving and accepting Jesus, Joseph was loved and accepted into the eternal household of God. And friends, the same can be true for you right now, today. When you focus in on Jesus, when you're willing to name Jesus, when you love and accept him into your heart, when you look to this infant, you look in his eyes, you recognize your living hope. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Where is our hope? We scatter it all kinds of different places. Where is our focus? We hardly know. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Tune our hearts to you. Turn turn our eyes to you. Help us to look into the eyes of the infant. To know that you have come to be God with us. God who saves. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.